Your ears do not deceive you. You have just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. Hello and welcome to Comic Book Yeti's Cryptid Creator Corner. I am one of the hosts, Jimmy Gasparro, and I am very excited to talk to today's guest. Um, they are a, a, a writer, an artist. Um, uh, that has worked on webtoons such as Messenger, written by Paul Tobin. Um, and they are here to talk about their new graphic novel, which I think is their like first full graphic novel they've done all on their own. Uh, Light Carries On. It's going to come out in April uh, through Dark Horse. I was lucky enough to read an advanced copy of it. Absolutely loved it. I cannot wait to talk to them about it. But please welcome to the podcast, Ray Nadine. Ray, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Hello, everyone. <laughs> um, so here on the Cryptid Creator Corner, and I'm trying to be more more focused this year. That's that's my goal because <laughs> usually it's just like I, I don't know what it is. I don't listen to my own podcast. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I I'm going to try to be more focused in, in terms of things, and we'll we'll see how that works out. So I'm really interested in folks that are creative, whether or not it's in particular in comics, whether or not it's writing or being an artist or an illustrator, a colorist, a letterer, um, an editor, whatever it might be. I'm always fascinated into how folks got into any type of creative endeavor and then why they decided to make it a, a career and why in particular, you know, comics and, and to make that a full-time career. So I know there's kind of some like big lofty questions, but I guess I just want to kind of start to, so my listeners, um, get to know more about you. So uh, for when did you want to be, let's say, a, a storyteller? Is that something that came to you from an early age? Or did you discover that later? It did like start pretty early. I had always been drawing. One of the earliest photographs my mom has of me as a young kid, like maybe th four or five, was me drawing, holding a pencil in my hand. And... Then when I obviously got older, I got really into manga. So, you know, the classic like 2000s teens sitting in borders reading manga off the shelves. <laughs> and it was actually Trigun in particular that got me really interested in wanting to tell my own stories and make comics. And I remember reading one of the books on the floor at the borders thinking, man, I'd love to have a Dark Horse book someday. And then... However, 15, 30, 15, 12 years later, right now I have a Dark Horse book. So it was yeah. really cool to see that come to fruition from me as a teenager to now. Um, but then after reading manga, I got really into webcomics because 2000s was like the big boom of webcomics happening. Sure. And that was when I was really like, oh, wow, anybody can make comics if they want to. And so that was a really neat experience to see that the internet just opened up so many possibilities for anyone to make comics. And then came graduation and I went to college and originally I wanted to go to like a focused art school, go into comics or animation or something, but I ended up going to a state school instead and got a degree in metalsmithing of all art fields and well, okay. we're, we're going to yeah. circle back to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I They didn't have 
anything other than like fine art drawing at the school and they didn't have comics or storyboarding or anything like that or anything storytelling unless I wanted to do English, which I probably should have done more of. But anyway, I really liked metalworking. And so I ended up having the most credits in that one. So that's what I ended up focusing in. (laughs) And then two years after graduating, I was just like... I couldn't do any metalworking. The tools were incredibly expensive. Having a dedicated studio space was just out of the picture for me at the time. So then I went back to thinking about webcomics again. And I was like, I know how to draw. I've had characters in my head for years. So I finally had put it to paper and wrote a script and started publishing my first webcomic in what was it? It was like January 4th, 2013. So yeah, it, almost exactly 10 years ago, I started making ago. comics. Yeah. Wow. And I did that. I made 400 pages of a web comic and doing that for so long is really what really started my career, just doing it myself. Um, I remember, I know it, it was web because like, like five years after that, Webtoons had reached out to me and was like, hey, we like your art. Want to work with Paul Tobin? I was like, oh, hell yeah. And then I worked on <laughs> Messenger. So that was right. like my first big thing into actual publishing rather than just self-publishing. And it just kind of kicked off from there. Went to cons, met people, met Connor at Dark Horse. And he really liked, mm-hmm. they really liked my pitch for Light Carries On. and that kind of started just continuing the whole career. (laughs) Now I'm working on two more books too. So it's been good. Yeah. That's, it's just um, amazing. The, the kind of the different journeys that everyone takes to, to get to a, to a place, Um, you know, especially, you know, hitting it at just the right time, being a fan of manga webtoons and, you know, and later tapas hitting like when it did, um, and being able to, you know, having that artistic ability to be able to kind of do it, you know, all on your own. Um, w- when you were doing your your own web comic, um, did you focus? Did you ever focus on like how many people were reading it? Were you just making it because you wanted to tell the story? Was it like like a mix of both? Yeah, it it really was a mix of both, but primarily I was just making it because I wanted to make it. Um, and it it really was a passion project for a long time. I tried doing the whole like advertisement and whatnot on my website. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was going through Hiveworks for a while, but I'm next to nothing on it. So it was really just, I love doing it. So I kept making them. And a couple years into it, I was like, you know, I could like try to make a career of this. And that was when I really like started thinking about future stories I could write or, and wanted to write. And it was around then too, that, just, you know, like being in the webcomic circles online and meeting other comics peers in person, I started having like the community to be able to pursue those kind of avenues. Um, a mm-hmm. friend of mine, Marie Anger, they really helped me early on, like decide how I wanted to make a career of this and some steps that I would have to go through um, to make it happen. And Marie's actually... Uh, one of their Dark Horse books is coming out on the same day as Light Carries On. So it's kind of cool that oh. one of my closest friends who helped me 
a lot in my career is getting a book on the same day as me. So it's just, yeah. it's called Under Kingdom, by the way. Um, right. Okay. That was just a cool thing that happened to line up. Well, I, I was oh, going to say, yeah. was it tough in terms of making the decision to go, you know, to do freelance or to to decide you're going to pursue to pursue it full time? You know, it's one thing to, to oh, have a God. passion project, but to say like, this is it. I'm I'm betting on myself. Like, what was that like in terms of like what what kind of considerations go into that that type of decision for you? It was so scary. <laughs> it was it was really exciting, but it was really scary too. Because I I mean, when I was making my web comic. I had a full-time job at the time and like I didn't make a ton of money. So it was always like, well, not making a ton of money now. I'm going to make even less doing comics. Like, I, I don't know if I can pull this off. But then it was really when Webtoon reached out to me and I got the job right, making Messenger with Paul Tobin that it seemed really feasible because they were going to pay me on a consistent spe- schedule like once a month. And mm-hmm. I had a very clear view of how much money I would make in a year. And at the time, it was more than the minimum wage comic job I was working. So okay. I was like, yeah, I can, I could do this. So I uh-huh. I quit working at the comic shop and started doing freelance full-time. And I've been freelance full-time ever since. So it's been really, really gratifying to be able to do it full time for so long without having to like get another part time job or something like that. I mean, lately, sometimes right. I think about it. I'm like, oh my god, I kind of miss that stability. But <laughs> so far, I'm getting by. <laughs> well, good, <laughs> good. Uh, I mean, because it's it's you know it's it's a tough industry. There's been the you know oh, especially yeah. since the pandemic, so much uh, turmoil is maybe not the wrong word, but definitely a lot of change in the past couple oh, yeah. of years um uh and it's it's probably gonna you know still continue to change and who knows mm-hmm. what's going to happen in the industry but um y- yeah it, i i think you can never go wrong betting on yourself in terms of uh, making that leap and certainly now that uh light carries on is about to come out um you so you said that uh you pitched that to dark horse they really liked it mm-hmm. how long was the and we'll talk about you know what the what the story is about um, but how long kind of was the story for Light Carries On kind of like, you know, percolating? Is it something that came on pretty quickly or was it, did, did that kind of slowly come to you and, and, and build the way some ideas do? It really was kind of a slow burn of ideas. Uh, they were just like characters that I had since like high school and they were originally like completely different back then. It was going to be more of a like a murder mystery than a romance at that time and then uh i think it was like 2014 or 2015 the creators for creators fund came out and i was like oh well Mm -hmm. i could try to write a pitch for that and so that was when i really like tightened up the story and did some uh pitch pages for it and Submitted it, didn't get in, but I was like, well, this is still like a good bones of a project. So then like over a couple of years, I like ended up redrawing all the pitch pages and really refining my ideas for it and like the the themes that I wanted to get across. And that was like, I think like 2018 was when I finally pitched it to Dark Horse and they were like, yeah, we like this. Let's let's go for it. No, that's uh, that's fantastic. Um, 
and especially I think I I think comics if I had to make it and I've I've kind of I kind of have like a, a manga and like webtoon sized hole in my comic reading um mm-hmm. and I I I know I got to get better at that so I don't know if maybe what I'm looking for is there but at least in terms of what I'll call for lack of a better phrase traditional comics um mm-hmm. need more romance comics and so many I times agree. you'll see like <laughs> so many times you'll see YA or middle grade and it's like a romance comic kind of like a coming of age type of tale and and those are great i have i have two kids i'm sure they're 10 and 5 i'm sure as they get older and get into that they'll they'll love all of those but i mean i think traditional comics needs more of like you know adult themed like romance comics oh yeah absolutely (laughs) agree and that was like one of the big things in my first web comic was it was like an adult romance slice of life and i was just like that was a lot of the manga that influenced me so it's just like i wanted to see more of that in western comics too and those are just the stories i like to tell i'm a sucker for romance yeah um and well all right so let's for anyone that doesn't know um do you want to try and 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 uh, give the elevator pitch for Light Carries On? <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will try my best. Um, Light Carries On is a story about a struggling photographer who, while down on his uh, luck, breaks his camera and has to resort to using a vintage film camera. And as it turns out, this camera he gets is haunted by the spirit of a ghost who died in the 70s. And they decide that they need to figure out how he died in order for him to move on. But it, they come to find that it is more than just that reason that's keeping him among the living. And it's actually finding love and re-experiencing the world in a new light. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I did it. <laughs> I gotta like really focus you, on that for the con season now. <laughs> I think you I think you successfully uh gave the elevator pitch for your own your your own book. Um and I have to work, so, you know, like the light of life into light carries on. Like yes, I tried. Yeah. <laughs> you did great. Um so some of the things since I I I've read it, uh, like I said, I was was lucky enough to get a review copy and read it. Um a couple of things that I want to point out um, to the listeners, if you you know are, are interested in this, I, and I think everybody should check it out because um, I think you'll find something in it you like. A, a few things that I I kind of like that ticked certain boxes for me. I really like comics that have uh, a playlist, and I like that yes. I like the music throughout. Even stuff I wasn't familiar with, I like that I knew I have new things. I liked this. I have new things to check out now. Um, I I I really thought it showcased, and I've only been to Chicago a handful of times, but I really thought it showcased kind of Chicago in a in a in a unique way that I thought was was done um, really well. And it's funny you say that it, you you know earlier versions of this story were a murder mystery because I, I I very easily could see how this could be darker, could be a real true crime esque you know but fictionalized like that murder mystery style and there is a lightness to light carries on um, that I mean in a, like in a very like positive way the the characters are very very easy to 
um, to, to, to read, to feel like, you know, that there, there's just something very almost like comforting, um, about the characters and then about kind of like, uh, their, their relationship trying to, to figure out like how they can, you know, help each other. I, I just thought it was so well done. And I just absolutely, you know, I loved it. Uh, I, uh, would, would read more and more stories about Leon and Cody. <laughs> Thank you. Those like, those are like my big goals with it. I, part of the reason I kind of shied away from it being darker than it is, is my first webcomic dollhouse. It was a lot of drama and it got really, really dark in places. And one of the reasons I stopped making it was that through the process of making it, my character's lives are so depressing that like it was affecting my mental state. And I was like, I can't keep making stories this sad because I'm sad through it. I'm just, I was just like, I have to next story. I'm lightening it up and like having like a more hopeful <laughs> ending. So I was really glad I did that with like carries on. And, um, on the back to the Chicago part too, that you had mentioned, I, I love Chicago. I've been coming to the city ever since I was a kid, but then I moved here a few years ago. And like one of the things that I really wanted to focus on was more of Chicago than just downtown. Cause you know, like movies and stories, it's always like you see the loop and then you see nothing else. So I was like, right. there's so much flavor and super cool neighborhoods in Chicago. And it's just fun to get to see those other areas. Yeah, it was. It, it, I mean, fun is the the right word. It was kind of neat to, to you know, there there was a, there was a realism I th I think that was mm -hmm. um, added to the story by you know not having those same types of scenes when you see Chicago and there there are a few of those but it's it's done in a way of kind of Leon showing Cody and um, it's it's done really well and you know don't get me wrong it's not it's when I when I say there's a lightness to it I mean there are some particularly heavy you know, themes throughout. Mm -hmm. Um, and there is a certain, you know, darkness to it, but this is not a very, this is not a, a, a heavy story that's going to weigh you down, but there are some, you know, some tough themes in it that I think are play out really well. Um, and that's just a, a credit to, you know, uh, how you tell stories and uh, how you draw your characters. Um, it, it just, yeah, it, it's really great. It was a really great story. I think my editor, Connor, put it really well. They said that it's a story about radical queer healing. And I was like, yeah, that is a really apt way to describe it. Just because, I mean, there's a lot of trauma that comes with existing as a queer person, especially like in Cody's time in the 70s up until now even. And it's just nice to see. Well, for me, it was nice to create something where there is that healing aspect to it so that... Mm -hmm there's a better light at the end. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I know that there's like the black, the, the back of the blurb book. And then, um, you know, a little blurb about you, Ray, uh, which says a part of it. Um, cartoonist, uh, Ray Nadine has created an unmissable graphic novel that balances out themes of trauma, grief, and toxic relationships with radical empathy, queer joy, and healing. Yeah, yeah that I just... was, Connor wrote that. I was like, yes, they, they <laughs> fucking nailed it. They did so good with that. I was just like, thank you, man. You you get it. <laughs> yeah, I um 
because I, 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 you know, I didn't see that first. I, you know, I, cause I mm-hmm. reading it digitally. So I'm scrolling through and I got to that at the end and I was like, yeah, that is a really great way of, of really talking about it. Cause it certainly does deal with grief and trauma and mm-hmm. certainly toxic relationships. Um, the idea of radical empathy and like what that means, you know, we have a sense of, you know, empathy, like, but radical empathy is at least my understanding of it. The idea to really try and dig in and really try and get a, a feeling and explanation for another person's like emotions and what they're going through. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, I, I, there's a lot of that because there's some difficult things that, that happen in it. And I think that is kind of the, you know, the lightness. And I just don't think you see characters, at least I don't, dealing with these things in, you know, this way. Because it's it's such an odd, you think of a character, you know, in a punk rock band in the 70s, and you get an idea of what that person might be like. And Cody is is that person and is very much not that person. <laughs> yes, yeah. I wanted to, like, balance them, like, being a bit of a shitbag, but also like I'm I'm a sucker for like the bad boy with a heart of gold trope. So he's definitely right. that. <laughs> um, you know, so in the in the creation of this, well, you say it started out maybe like a little different. Like, I mean, I think you said, did you pitch it back in 2018? So like how how do you work on a story like this to get it to like like are you is it like draft after draft? Are you slowly building it? Like how, when you're doing, cause you did everything. It, this is all you uh, mm-hmm. in the, in the writing, the illustration, the lettering as well. Yeah. So it, it <laughs> I do of, a lot. <laughs> I did, how, like how many different versions of this take and like how, how do you kind of put it all together? Um, a lot of it is a, I, I have a little app, the like Google Keep app. It's basically digital post-it notes and I have a shit ton of little post-it notes <laughs> with ideas and like just like overall themes and stuff that I wanted to touch on. And then from there, I go to like making like a chronological timeline of what I want to happen in the story. And then I kind of like break that down and flesh it out more by chapter. And so like I kind of had like the rough timeline for a long time, but then it was really when I focused it up for Dark Horse that I sat down and made a far more concise timeline and an actual synopsis, part of the one that was in the pitch packet. And even from the pitch packet, I did end up expanding and changing some of the stuff from the original synopsis I had in mind. Um, And just part of what led it to the story it is now is just my life changes from 2014 to 2018 when I finally did pitches to Dark Horse had changed a whole lot. I just, I mean, experienced a lot more. Um, a hand, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I wrote about comes from real life experiences, but modified to that they're more. It, it's not autobiographical, but a lot of it is based on things that I have gone through. So okay. obviously I'm not a dead ghost from the seventies. So that adds like a layer that, that of we know of. for me that we know of. Yeah. <laughs> right. This is just a video re- <laughs> audio recording. We don't know. <laughs> um, but that also in a way has been kind of a, a way of like radical healing for myself too, in getting, mm-hmm 
to write these experiences that I've had, but with with a happier outlook on it. Right. And so it just kind of helps in that regard too. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I certainly understand the, uh, and a lot of other creators, you know, talk about like kind of the cathartic nature of, of writing certain things and, um, mm. you know, whether or not you're writing or any, any one of us is writing to kind of, uh, when you're putting some, truer true elements into a story if you're you're writing to kind of work through it or to let others know that this situation as a certain situation has happened or to kind Mm -hmm. of you know put your spin on it and said this you know i i i wish this this is the way it would have gone you know and then yeah do those types of things to create you know a a different type of uh of world because there's certainly some difficult things that happened to both, you know, well, Cody dies, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but Cody, that's pretty difficult. <laughs> that's, that's tough. That's tough. But the, the Cody, you know, and, and Leon, um, and th- their approach to everything is very mature. And, um, I, I thought that that was, you know, I, I, uh, maybe in, in, in other hands, this could have gone, you know, the story could have gone many different ways, but I really felt that yeah. there is a, there, there is a, an empathy imbued in this story that was very, very beautiful and very touching to read. And um, I, I hope I'm glad it's on, you know, most anticipated lists. I'm glad I came across it. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're talking now. I, I really yeah, loved it. You. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. One of the, one of the things that I really wanted to focus on too, was that like, like you were saying, like it is kind of a mature story, but spinning, some things and it could have could have gone completely different ways. But like one thing that I don't think is in media enough is like the post-trauma, post-therapy kind of mindset. Like how how you get to see at the beginning with Leon, like it's clear that he's struggling with PTSD from being in the military and having gone to therapy has currently has a therapist and like what that path to healing looks like because it is really different than like being in the thick of the trauma and dealing with it in the moment than dealing it with it after the fact and trying to recover from it in that sort of way right yeah that's very true and um so with you you know you've worked on different projects um you know, Messenger, we've mentioned, mm-hmm. um, written by Paul Tobin. You know, in terms of this all, you know, doing everything, but uh, you mentioned your editor before. Um, so uh, how how was the relationship with the, uh, the editor? Um, was Cody? Connor was my editor. Connor, sorry, Connor. Yeah, Cody's <laughs> that's okay. Story. A lot of similar names Cody's there. A lot of, yeah, Cody's <laughs> in the story. Connor. Um, uh, so how how did that work in terms of like the the editor? Are, have you been were you used to working with an editor before? And kind of how did the working with Connor kind of shape the story at, at Dark Horse? It was the first time I had an editor with the writing aspect because I did have an editor with Messenger, but I mean she dealt what dealt with the editing on the writer side mostly. And after a while, I had like gotten 
to the point on like making the artwork that they were like, all right, no changes, carry on, carry on. Cause I had like figured out the webtoon model and everything, but right. um, it was really great working with Connor. I loved working with them and they really, especially them being another queer creator too. It was just very nice to be able to submit that script to them and then being like, yeah, I get it. This is, this is how it is. And rather than like having to explain certain choices to somebody who might not understand them or why I chose to go with that. And they had a lot of really valuable input to the story itself. And it was, it's just always been a joy to work with them. I've been really, really lucky. All the editors I've had in my career so far have been an absolute dream to work with. That's good. Yeah. I've been Um, so lucky. (laughs) I've heard plenty of horror stories and I'm just like, man, going to happen to me one of these days i'm sure but for now i'm crossing my fingers yeah hopefully you'll uh continue to have uh good luck with with editors well that that's good to hear and so um you uh i think you also have uh i don't know how much you could talk about it, another book coming out with uh, a, a different publisher as well like your next story yeah. that you're working on Next one I'm working on is called Station Six, and it's going to come out through Oni. Uh, that one is changing gears a little bit for me. Uh, it's my my first YA book, so it was definitely it was a little tricky to write because I mean you, you've okay. seen like some of the dark tones in like Carries On, and clearly in the dialogue I like to swear a lot, so like that was really hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> to write dialogue between teenagers and be like, okay, I I just can't say fucking shit all the time like I normally do. But um, this one is a story about two teen gymnasts who find friendship in one another and grow through grief and anxiety together and learn how they can cope with that in their lives. Uh, so again, another story touching on mental illness and. This one is a, I mean, Light Carries On was a very personal story for me too, but this one is in that I also was a gymnast for nearly a decade as a teen growing up. And so like one of my dreams was like, I want the gay gymnastics anime to be real. So (laughs) I was like, well, shit, I'll just do it then. So, um, so I have the story of these gymnasts, but that was really in my life when I started experiencing extreme anxiety was near the end of me doing gymnastics. And it's ultimately one of the reasons that I quit doing it is because I just, the anxiety was so bad that I couldn't perform skills anymore that I had done for years. So oh, wow. it, it was really nice to be able to write something like that again, like the catharsis of it. and. My my goals with it is that other young teenagers will read that and see other teens experiencing these aspects of mental illness and realize that they're not alone and that they can talk with their friends about it and get the help that they need, more or less. Um, right. But yeah, this one is definitely very even more inspired by manga, I would say, than Light Carries On, just in the like okay. pacing and tone of it. So I'm, I've been really excited to work on it. 
got the first chapter done out of four. So getting there. All right. Awesome. Yeah. I, I was, I was, I was curious if you had any type of gymnastics in, in your background, cause it seemed like a specific choice for the story. Um, but, but oh, my yeah. sister was a, my sister was a, a gymnast for, for many years. Um, and I, so I was oh, always, cool. uh, yeah. So I remember going to her gymnastics meets and, you know, my brother and I yep. being taken to all those, um, <laughs> When she did, yeah, my brother gymnastics. got that end of the stick and being dragged to meets yeah. all over the state and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, I, I always liked it. Um, my my mom could never watch it. She would watch everything else, and then when it was my sister's turn, my mom would like turn her back and wouldn't because <laughs> she got too nervous and so she oh, wouldn't watch so my fair. sister compete. Yeah, <laughs> she, I, I think the floor was fine. I think I think the beam. My mom couldn't watch the beam. Yeah, beam. <laughs> it was one of my best performing ones, but it was my the most terrifying one for me. Yeah. So I was like, I get that. I've had had the most injuries on beam too, so it's understandable. Uh, yeah, it's a, a, a somewhat of an injury prone prone sport. I think my sister uh, injured tore tore like an ACL and a rotator cuff uh, at two different times. So. Yeah, yeah that, I don't don't want to think about how many concussions I've had because it... <laughs> no, no, just put put that away in a drawer. Don't, want, nope. don't think about that. <laughs> 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 and, um, you know, you, you mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, going to conventions and meeting other people and kind of surrounding yourself with the with a community of you know like minded folks in terms of the mm-hmm. comics and the, the things that you're into. So, I mean, do you do you like that aspect of it in terms of the conventioning? Do you like going to conventions and are you excited it's, to do oh. that more now that conventions are you know at least this past year are picking back up? Yes and no. I okay. I struggle from a lot of anxiety and before the pandemic, I had, I had gotten pretty good at cons. I didn't get the stage fright that I used to. It used to be so bad. Like the first couple conventions that I went to, I would literally be in the bathroom throwing up beforehand, like from nervousness. Cause I was so, yeah. so nervous about it. And luckily it got way better. <laughs> and, <laughs> but now that it's been like, God, like three years now, since I've gone to a con, I'm like, all right, we're not going back to that. I can't do that again. <laughs> um, but I do love the community aspect of going to cons. I mean, it's it's how I met Connor from Dark Horse and go into cons with Marie, who I mentioned earlier, that mm-hmm. some of our some of our best memories are on like road trips going to cons together and and this uh C2E2 we get to table together and it's it's just really exciting to like be able to see all of these old friends that I've made over the years at cons, especially now. Cause like some of them I haven't seen in years and mm-hmm. it's just, I'm just really excited to see them again. And then also like, there's just so many, so much, uh, potential for like career movement at cons that you can't get online as much that I feel like, like all like like Dark Horse, I met Connor at a con. Um, another story that I am working on, Raise Hell, with uh, Jordan Alseca, I met him at a con, and now we have the uh, another book that we're working on together. Um, 
So it's just, I've had so many opportunities from going to cons and not only just like career opportunities, but like, like people like Marie and Jordan and Connor, like there are people that I really love and care about. So it's, it's nice to be able to build this career with like-minded peers and see each other thrive. It's just, it's really nice. (laughs) Just finding that, you know, fine line between being able to have that and being able to, you know, manage the uh, the anxiety of whether or not it's the crowd or you know whatever oh, yeah. triggers it for you. Um, I try not yeah, to think I, about like the crowd and stuff like that, or like a lot of it too is just like the money aspect. Cons are so so expensive, and right. I just generally don't sell really well at them. I don't know what it is, but I at least like break even every time. So I'm like, okay, there's there's that at least. My last goal at <laughs> the C two E two. The weekend before the pandemic started, my only goal was I just want to make enough money to buy a Nintendo Switch. And I did. And thank God I was able to right before the pandemic because, oh, my God, I've gotten so much playtime out of that thing now. Uh, Are you a big video game fan? Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, literally after this, I'm going to log on to Final Fantasy 14 and play games for a while. (laughs) Is that like your go to? Yeah, yeah. I'm a huge fan of MMOs. I used to be addicted to World of okay. Warcraft when I was in college. And I was like, and then after I quit that, I, I ended up quitting because I was like the toxic PvP player. And I was mean in video games. So I was like, <laughs> I have to quit this. I don't like this person that I'm becoming because of this. So I quit World of Warcraft and I was like, I'm never going to do an MMO again. And then some of my friends were like, oh, but what if you play Final Fantasy with us? And I was like, Okay, it didn't take much convincing. So <laughs> I play Final Fantasy fourteen all the time. I like play other video games too, but uh, right, that's like some of my favorites were like over the past couple of years. Uh, the the Yakuza franchise, anything Kojima does, like Death Stranding mm-hmm. was really really awesome. I loved that one. Um, but yeah, video games are definitely very influential on my like storytelling, video games, anime, shows, just like everything. Especially like um you were mentioning earlier, you really like like the playlists and the music aspect of my book. Yeah. That's like another absolutely huge inspiration. I I love music. I wish I was a little bit more musically inclined. <laughs> so uh I really like to express that love for it through like my comics and stuff and having music tie into it a lot of the time. So I'm really glad that you picked up on that from my book. Uh, yeah, I really like that. And I, I mean, wh- whether or not creators, some will, at least that I've seen in, in recent years, will have like a playlist, whether or mm-hmm. not it's something you'll see on Twitter. Uh, oh, this is what I listened to while I was writing this, or here's a playlist I made for this, or um, you know, something that like Matthew Rosenberg and Tyler Boss did with what's the furthest place from here, where they basically had a band, you know, cut uh, vinyl that like they had a special edition oh, so cool. issue of the comic got a vinyl record, you know, depending on um, if you bought like the certain issue, you know, so they did they yeah. did things like that, um, which was fascinating and according you know from what i've read very difficult to do because um oh i'm sure i like for a number of issues a number of reasons but yeah that stuff i find fascinating or when there's um you know or 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 like with 
with Lake Carries On when it makes sense that music is specifically referenced by, you know, um, by the characters. And I, <laughs> I don't think it given, you know, any plot points away, but there is yeah. a, a scene <laughs> where Cody listens to, you know, tries to figure out like what music is now you know, uh, however many, you know, however many years later from the seventies, the that was kind of like, like neat to see that character kind of dive into that. Cause then I was thinking like, yeah, wow, what would that be like? If like yeah. the last thing I listened to was in the seventies or eighties and then, you know, right now, and what would that experience be like? Like, what are the, what are the things that I would latch on to that? Like, Oh, that's kind of like this that I listened to. Um, yeah. And, and that was, I, I really appreciated that. And it, yeah, I, I like that a lot. Yeah, thank you. I I loved exploring that. It was really fun, especially like thinking about like going from the 70s to now, like we got Spotify and shit. Like literally every kind of music is so widely available and it's so easy access. So it's just there's a lot of good shit out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like my 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 kids are like, oh, I want to hear a song. And it's like they'll ask the yeah, Alexa or whatever to play, to play the song. <laughs> I was like, I felt like such an old, I'm 43, so I'm old, but, uh, but I, I felt like so old, like, like Indiana Jones and the like last crusade guy turning into dust. old. (laughs) I I was like, in my day, you had to wait till it played on the radio. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I'm like right on that cusp too. Cause like my first music was on cassettes and shit and thinking about that versus now i'm like man i'm so lucky that i exist in a time with internet i'm so glad i know (laughs) it's just it's it really is it's like anything you want any type of music and um yeah it it is kind of like amazing it's one of those things that's so easy to take for granted it's such like a simple thing but yeah and and there's so much of that, it, in particular with comics, whether or not it's web comics or if you read digitally or the amount of comics being made in so many different subjects. Like if, if folks say that they, they can't find a comic that they like, I'm just like, I don't They're get wrong. It. They're so wrong. Oh, my it's God. Just, that was my least is, favorite thing people would say when I worked at the comic shop. They're like, oh, comics aren't my thing. I can't find a comic that I like. And I was like, I'll find it for you. I swear I will find a comic you will read. <laughs> Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, it's it's just it's uh, and it's just uh, it's just gotten better, you know, over the years. I mean, I just think no matter what genre you're into, um, you know, and uh, there's just something out there. I think for like everybody, uh, although we, we we agree, we need more adult romance comics. <laughs> yes, yes, I got the small niche started, so we just need to get more. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I 100% agree. Um, but like carries on, definitely. It, it, it's I, I just I I can't express enough how, um, because I'm I started out with comic book yeti. It's been two years, and I started out reviewing comics. And I'm not a particularly good reviewer because I <laughs> I like stuff and I like to be effusive and I I don't particularly like being like critical. I mean, I can be if I need to be, but that's not, that's not any fun. Um, but, uh, I, so, so to like, you know, break stuff down. And sometimes I find that like interesting, but for the most part, I just, I like the experience of reading it. And I like telling people that they're creating stuff that I really enjoy. And last night when I finished reading, like carries on, I felt great. 
I felt great. I really, I felt like I just read like such a great story. I felt good. It was like, I woke up and I was like, felt good about the world. It was like, I just read something so nice. And that's what I want. And it was, but it's not like, it's not like it was all easy. It was, there was, there were difficult things that your characters are dealing with and struggling with like heavy things, but you Really, empathy is is coming back to it. Empathy, radical empathy. You really found a way to um, deal with these things with like maturity and empathy and love. And I just felt it's. I just hope everybody reads it and then comes and you know find me on Twitter. Tell me that I was right. I am, <laughs> uh, and then tell Ray that they made a wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I'll just have to. I'll just have to keep an eye on your Twitter for when people come to say that to you, so I can like live vicariously through it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that they made a wonderful, a wonderful comic. Um, I don't know, Ray. Is there anything else that you want to like yeah, talk about or that you're working on that you can tell tell the listeners about? Yeah, I I talked about Station Six a little bit, um, and I touched on Ray's Hell. Uh, Ray's Hell is another one. I'm so stoked to work on this comic. I've already done two issues of it. Me and Jordan had kickstarted it twice over the last couple of years, and. Okay. I'm not sure if I can say who's publishing it yet, but it is getting, it, it did get picked okay. up. Um, but the, the premise of this one is three teenage best friends live in an alternate universe of our reality, but as if the satanic panic was real and an actual rift to hell opened up. But all the demons and imps and all that, they're just kind of mundanely part of life. There are demons and half demons that go to school with other teenagers. Imps are like akin to raccoons on the side of the street and stuff. And these three teens go to the mall and buy a bootleg demon summoning kit and summon the worst demon that they ever could that gets soul bound to them. And just all the weird crap they get up to is teenagers in the mid 2000s with the demon. <laughs> No, I love it. All right. It is, it's such a blast to work on. And Jordan is a phenomenal writer. I love working with him. Um, like you pointed out several times, I did all of Light Carries On. All of it was all the writing and art was me. That's the same with Station Six. And usually I don't like working with other writers for one reason or another, but I got really lucky that Paul was phenomenal to work with. Jordan, mm-hmm. also phenomenal to work with. So I'm just like... Got really lucky with them. <laughs> Good. Uh, yeah, I'll have to check out Ray's Hell. I really, one of the other things that I I really like, I love stories that kind of mix the supernatural, I'd say fantastical, but in particular supernatural and like mundane. It's and so, I don't, it's just fun. I, I, yeah, like, like let, show me hell or heaven, but it's like a DMV bureaucracy. Yes. I, I yes. want it. Give it to me. <laughs> I love it. And it's been really fun to explore that and raise hell. And another one of the things that like me and Jordan like had commented, we're like, we don't see as much like, I'm I'm sure there's going to be a boom of it soon. Cause all of us millennials are getting older and like actually like working in creative industries. So like, we're like, we need some teenage stories set in the mid two thousands. Cause it's such a strange time to have been a teenager growing up where internet didn't exist and now suddenly it does exist. And it was just a very strange transit to transition to transitory stage of the world, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 well, a hundred percent agree. I mean, it, 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 yeah, it went from the internet. I mean, really did change, you know, so much, but I mean, uh, you know, living through from, 
the mid nineties to, you know, the mid two thousands living through that era and, you know, just not just the internet, but culturally, Oh yeah. you know, September 11th and then everything else that, that happened after that. I mean, it was, there are so many changes and such a shift, you know, culturally, I think, um, oh, yeah. where you, you look at a point in time and it's like, well, before and after, and I'm sure now younger kids, like, you know, my kids will look at like the pandemic as there is a definitive period of time that there was a before, oh, the before times, and there was an after. And yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, so I don't like thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's okay. Oh, I'm gonna have to chew on that for a bit. <laughs> okay, that's fine. But 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 yeah yeah I I like mid two thousands. Um, it was such a fun mon- time. Mundane half demons, kids at the mall. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, definitely big mall rat type crap. Uh, it's it's been really fun. Jordan had just sent me the third chapter and the fourth chapter. I'm just really pumped to work on it. And it's such a fun break from the kind of serious tone stuff that I usually write because it's just right. it's so it's it's all these like goofs and gags, but still with a lot of heart. So it's just a really nice break to work on. That's awesome. Uh, well, I can't. I can't wait, and I especially can't wait till like Carrie's on comes out from Dark Horse in April. Um, I I can't wait for folks to get their hands on it and and read it. And um, it's it, you've crafted a a wonderful wonderful story, right? Thank you. I'm so glad to hear it. Um, all right, well, I I think I don't want to keep you uh, any longer, and uh, I'll make sure in the show notes to put links to you know your social media and your website and to make sure folks are pointed in the right direction for light carries on in April. Um, but this was uh, so wonderful to talk to you today, Ray. Yeah, I really appreciate, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Yeah. I had a lot of fun this past hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I, I try, try to be a good host and, um, especially, you know, um, I, I want people to read your stuff because, uh, I read it and I liked it and I think others will too. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. Um, well, all right. Uh, I, Ray, you're welcome back anytime, uh, when, uh, whatever you got next comes out, please feel free to, to check back in. Um, but, uh, I think that's all for tonight for comic book Yeti. This has been, uh, Jimmy Gasparro with Ray Nadine. Light carries on is going to be out by dark horse. Uh, I think April, I think April 5th of 2023, and um, it's a wonderful story. I really think you're going to like it. We need more romance comics, queer comics, um, punk rock comics. Th- and this has all of it. So um, so, so check it out. Uh, and thank you very much for listening. And if you've, you've liked the podcast, like and subscribe and do all those other things they tell, they tell you to do. Say nice things about us on social media because I'm very sensitive. Um, so, uh, for again, for Comic Book Candy, I'm Jimmy Gasparro. Thanks to my guest, Ray Nadine. And uh, I will see you next time, everybody. Bye. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptid Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.